Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think for him as a player, when he looks at the overall body of his work and how he's elevated his game, I think for any player like that who has gone from, you know, a fourth line uh, cast off to, again, like the best left wing in the game, I think you want to be remembered for more than just being the the guy who makes all the highlight reels for licking a dude in the face, <laughs> something like that. I think that does mean a lot to him for any player that I think that has put in that work to get to that spot. So, yeah, uh, it's a tough situation, you know, for him and that, you know, again, it's of his own doing, right? Like, of- Hello and welcome to the Brews and Bruins podcast. It's me, Drew Johnson. I am back. Ha! I got Drew Bledsoe poster behind me. We're ready to go. Um, but yeah, as usual, I'm here with uh, Chris Gear and Cam Hasbrook, who you probably heard last week. Lovely, lovely without me. We got Connor Ryan, man who needs no introduction. Um, and he's going to answer all our questions and we'll just uh, agree blindly with his correct answers. So, <laughs> uh, how, you, how are you doing, Connor? I'm doing swell. How are you guys doing? I'm doing, doing pretty good. well. All things considered. All things um, considered, yeah. It's a, it's a pretty uh, big news day here on Monday that we're recording for the Bruins. But before we jump into those, what are you guys drinking, Chris? I see I see you got something right there. So I think this is the first time I've had this on the pod. Um, but this is like kind of one of the original San Diego IPAs. We got the Ballast Point Sculpin. Um, it's become one of the better known ones over the over the course of the years but when i first moved to san diego it was a pretty niche san diego thing and uh ownerships changed over the years but uh as far as i i can tell the recipe seems about the same so it's uh it's like really hop forward really piney um even a little bit of like grapefruit flavor to it and later they did the uh, the grapefruit sculpin, which I think is probably my favorite iteration of the beer because it kind of just accentuates that flavor. But on its own, pretty classic. I haven't done a like true West Coast IPA in a while, and uh, I'd say it's pretty refreshing. We're gonna go uh, tasteability thirty, drinkability. You know, it's gonna it's gonna hit that that palate a little hard, but you, know, you can still get through it. We'll go fifteen. Nice. You can still get through it. <laughs> just like the podcast that, that's on the can well, probably with Connor this week, yeah. Chris Gear, you <laughs> well, that's good um yeah i've got a uh definitive poetic chemistry double dry hopped ipa 
Um, this one was a gift. We've been uh, going through it's a bit of a strange time at work right now. I won't dive into too many of the details, but uh, long story short, my union is in the middle of negotiations with uh, our parent company, Sinclair Broadcast Group. It's been a stressful few months, we'll just say. Um, and anyway, one of our, our nightside anchors who does our late shows um, was kind enough to buy all of the producers on the nightside that she works with a little gift. And I was very honored that she thought beer was the great gift for me. And she's, she's absolutely <laughs> right. Um, so she gave me these last week. Uh, shout out Jen Long. Um, and I've been waiting to drink them on the pod very patiently because they look delicious, but I wanted to save them for the pod. Uh, very happy I did. This one, like I said, the Poetic Chemistry Double Dry Hopped IPA, checking in at a very smooth 7.2%, which I'm appreciating on this Monday evening. Um, but it really doesn't taste like a 7.2%. I mean, it's it's a little bit bitter, but um, it's definitely kind of surprisingly approachable. It's got a, a pretty wide fruit uh, fruitiness to it, a little bit sweet. Um, like I said, it carries kind of that classic bitterness of a Double Dry Hopped IPA, but it's not overwhelmingly bitter. It's still got a little bit of depth of, of fruitiness to it. It says it is reminiscent of stone fruit prickly pear. Not sure what makes it prickly or if that's like a distinction of a different pear or not, but it's, it's a different uh, fruit altogether. It makes sense. Uh, and bright <laughs> tropical fruit flavors, which definitely mixes well. Um, really good double, double dry hop IPA. Um, like I said, it kind of hits off both boxes that you're looking for. If you like sweeter ones, uh, it does have that sweetness, but it's still got the classic, under level of bitterness uh drinkability i'm going to give it a couple extra points um based on how high the abv is so i'm going to pop it up to like a 28 uh taste you can definitely taste it too i'm going to give that a 34 it also smells really delicious um it's got that kind of stone fruit smell to it too uh, like you're sniffing some berries which i appreciate for sure so sniffability uh, really rating <laughs> You sniff smell, smell yeah, uh, you can definitely smell this beer. I'm a big fan of that. So, um, good stuff, Connor. I know you you got a little something prepared as well. Yeah, I'm uh, far from a surprise. I think every time I've been on this uh, lovely podcast, I've stuck with the tried and true treehouse, which I'm sticking to. Hell yeah! And this one is uh, smooth creamsicle, which Ooh. I'm intrigued by because I actually don't think this might be a beer. I think it literally just might be like. <laughs> sugary water because it just straight up tastes like someone melted a creamsicle i mean wow. it's a awesome. 6.8 ipa uh doesn't taste like it uh super crisp uh it, it's always i always get concerned that's why i stay away from like any like the docket beers especially around like the holiday season because like you see like the how they describe it on the can it's like oh like it tastes like gingerbread and, <laughs> and chocolate yeah, yeah. Pe- peanut butter cup and then it's like all right i i feel like i'm drinking something i got from valvoline like this yeah. does not taste <laughs> yeah. like a reese's peanut butter cup this lives up to the hype this straight up actually tastes like a creamsicle uh love treehouse which is you know i'm not really breaking new ground here but um it's fantastic i actually got this i think uh th- this has been canned uh back in like the late summer which harkens back to brighter days when we thought yep. Jake DeBras was going to score 25 goals this year for the Bruins. He very well <laughs> might, which is maybe not with the Bruins. Uh, yep. So harkens back to brighter days. Great beer. Uh, in terms of drinkability, taste, uh, the skill's 37, right? That's, that's course, what we're yeah. going with. I'm going to go 37 all around. Like, really, really enjoyable drink, and it lives up to the promise of, like, if you're going to describe that it's a smooth creamsicle drink, I mean, it, what, what more can you ask for here? 
So I'm giving That's 37s awesome. all around. Hell yeah. I do feel like we don't get enough Treehouse. Like as a New England beer podcast, I feel yeah. like we've talked about Treehouse quite a bit. I think we did like a whole episode that was named after Treehouse. We did. Um, I had my buddy Zach on. <laughs> have any of us actually been? I I haven't. I don't. Yeah. So Drew and Lancey and I had some beers of theirs. Oh, yeah. Cool. Um, because right. we, you know, right before we went to Chili's. Oh, Hell yeah, yeah. dude! Was, the, the one right, the one right down the highway. So great this, spot. So this was the uh, this is the Deerfield location, and it had oh, like, okay. just opened, and they weren't doing anything uh, indoors wise, so it was just pickups. So we went and picked up like a case of random beers that they were that they had, and uh, drank some in the hotel. <laughs> then went to Chili's <laughs> and then drank some more and well, recorded we watched, an episode. We watched at Chili's, we watched the Bruins like playoff. Was it playoffs? I think it yeah, was it was, it was time, like yeah. game four or it was like game three or four of the Bruins Islanders series. Oh, what crazy. better place? Yeah. Listen, it was the only thing, I, yeah. There's no need to besmirch Chili's though. You know what? Like there's worse places <laughs> you're, you're on the highway looking for some sustenance. Yeah. This worst place. You could go to Applebee's. You Chili's know, like, is true. Chili's. <laughs> it don't yeah. Don't don't talk about Applebee's on this podcast though, because <laughs> exactly. Chili's is the unofficial official fast casual dining restaurant <laughs> of the Brews and Brews podcast. <laughs> Good. Say that five times fast. Sure. Shout out Ferns. Um, oh. Connor, one more beer note. I was just telling Drew off pod that I think uh, Definitive, which is the company that makes my beer, is probably my favorite in Portland because they have such a wide range. And one of the things they kick ass at is doing those like weird session fruity ones that like straight up taste like a milkshake or a smoothie. Yeah. Uh, I was just going through their website and they've got pictures of all the different beers and stuff. And like even the colors are just mesmerizing, but you can see some of them like have little chunks of fruit in it, like it's pulpy almost, um, which sounds weird in a beer, but like if you're going for that, especially in the summer. It hits so well. Right. Um, so well, I really appreciate a brewery that can do that. I can pull that off. Yeah. I mean, like, it's so much better when it actually lives up to the hype. Because, again, there's nothing more disappointing than when it's like, all right, maybe it kind of tastes like it. Like, but no, like, you have to go all in if you're going to say it's like, yeah. like, uh, you know, like a fruity drink or, again, like creamsicle. Like, you have to, you have to commit to it. Yeah. Yeah. I do love creamsicle too. Oh, yeah. I, I recently had, uh, maybe a couple months ago, had a, uh, this is an orange Cali Creamin, um, and and that was very creamsicle style. Hell yeah. Love to see well, it. Well, I'm going to stick with the trend of all these fancy beers and go with my good old Coors Light with a cap. Nice. <laughs> Wait, what is he cracking like that? Coors Light makes sense. I had no idea where that was going. My, uh, Shouts to uh, James and Phil who left uh, their Coors Light in my fridge uh, from this weekend. Uh, thank you. And uh, um, yeah, so Coors Light, actually, uh, out of all the light beers, honestly, I, I do like Coors. I Miller like, Light. Uh, and Miller Light. Is, <laughs> for sure. The unofficial one, but... official light beer of the Bruce and Boone podcast. <laughs> Look, when you. In conjunction they brought... with your chilies. <laughs> I, I did I'm have drinking... Miller Light while I was at Chili's. Presented by Chili's. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I'm drinking the Coors Light is because they brought the Miller Light, but it was all drank. Like, they drank it first. Hey, well, because you it's don't superior, have to defend Coors you know? Light because it is, uh, you know, Miller Coors is the. Parent company of both of those two brands. Yeah, it's it's the it's the goat combo of like light beers when you're talking about uh, partnerships there. Yeah, or parent companies. For sure, it is the uh, the winter 2021 version. Um, 
but drinkability, man, you can you can really drink this because it's got a cap. You know, you just you can take it with your skiing. Not that I've ever done that with these before. Uh, but, you know, if you if hypothetically wanted to drink on the chairlift, these are perfect for that. Uh, so drinkability, is that, I'm going to go. Is that I'm going to go. Uh, I feel like that's pretty regular. Yeah. I don't, I it's yeah. Fine. <laughs> um, 63 out of 74. Um and for tasteability, I'm gonna go uh, 12 out of 74. Excellent. You certainly um, cannot taste that beer. That nope. is true. <laughs> <laughs> Giving it a Craig Smith out of Jake DeBrusque wasn't a was a, a little. A, anyway, speaking of DeBrusque, that was that was my that was my segue. Um, Jakey D done dirt cheap might be done. Actually, referencing a, a Jakey D Delta cheap, maybe Delta like cheap. Yeah, Ooh. we're gonna you know get a nice, nice, nice we'll six rounder and uh, package him with Tuka Rask and get like three future Hall of Famers because famously currently a Boston Brew and Tuka Rask. Did, did you yeah, read my exactly. column already, Drew? Because that's pretty much <laughs> what I wrote was gonna happen. Shit. Yeah, we we were uh, Connor was a little late. Tisk tisk for this podcast because he was reporting on me, Cam, and Chris admired Chris's like webcam trouble of it looking hey, slow. I fixed it. So, like, we were just you know I did the um, I did the club plug the camera and plug it back in and it's magically okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, Cam's sitting here with no camera, so I don't know hey, why we're constant. making fun of me for this. <laughs> Look, I'm doing the people a favor with this, all right? <laughs> you don't need to you need to complain about it. <laughs> But anyway, DeBrusque, uh, yeah, so apparently he is looking for a trade, um, which, I don't know, I feel like we've talked the potential of DeBrusque being traded for a long time, just it's it's off and on, uh, like Connor kind of had mentioned, you know, is he going to score 25 goals or is he going to suck? But uh, Connor, I, w- I want to get your take here first. I think all of us do. Uh, what's your take on all this? Yeah, I mean, is it surprising? Not really, especially after, you know, getting scratched in that game against Vancouver, which I, again, uh, Eric Holla gets scratched, made made a lot of sense, right? It wasn't bringing much, and especially defensively, was really lacking in that, that game against uh, Florida. But uh, when Zabrus gets scratched, you're like, all right, is something else going on? Like, I know that, you know, he's been in Cassidy's doghouse before, but when you uh, – you get sat for a game like that and you look at the other circumstances where, I mean, he's going into a potential contract here, even though he's going into an RFA season, I was looking for a fresh start and he's kind of back at maybe not square one, but back in a familiar spot from last year where it's on the outside looking in at regular reps. Uh, Is it surprising? No. Disappointing. Sure is. Uh, And especially from the Bruins perspective, it's like, you know, the, the last hour I've been scrolling through Twitter and seeing, you know, uh, potential trade scenarios, you know, like DeBrusque for Brock Besser or DeBrusque with like Vakaninen for Tomas Hurdle or something like that. And I think people have to be uh, yeah. cognizant of the fact that this is not, you know, if this was DeBrusque a few years ago where he was coming off that 27 goal season, yeah, maybe you could get, you know, a pretty impressive one for one swap to help you out right now, whether it be, I don't know, another defenseman, uh, a top six guy. Uh, that's not the case now. So now the Bruins are kind of stuck in 
a familiar spot where they're trying to MacGyver their way out of, you know, moving this kind of sunken cost they have and, and trying to make the most of it, knowing full well, I think it's, it's not like, uh, like the, like Vetrano or even like Donato. I mean, Donato got traded. It was like, all right, you got coil, which seemed like a, a great move at the time and got better as kind of it went on. Uh, wherever DeBrus goes, like, is it out of the realm of possibility that he scores like 20 goals, like in the last 60 games of the team? Like, not really. I think he goes to another situation. He could do very, very well. But from the Bruins, it's like, all right, what what exactly is the return going to be? Like, I, I find it be more of uh, whether it's like a, another, you know, underachieving player like a like Strom or are you looking out to like, you know, Yamamoto out in Edmonton? Like, I think it's guys like that that you have to realistically look at. Or maybe it's just like moving him for draft capital and just getting that contract off the books. Like, I don't, I don't see it being a situation where when you look at his cap hit, his production, the fact that, you know, it doesn't help the Bruins that they have no leverage now with the fact that this trade is now out in the open. Like everyone knows they're trying to move him now. So it's not like, you know, I don't think we're going to look, wake up tomorrow and see that he's been moved for hurdle unless it's, you're also including, I don't know, a first round pick and Lysel or something like that. Like, you know, it's not, you're not getting an impact player in return for DeBrusque unless it's part of a bigger package, which is disheartening that, you know, it seems like his kind of courses sailed here in terms of how he was going to fit in. And also the return is going to be underwhelming considering what his potential is, not just with the Bruins, but wherever he goes next, because I wouldn't put it past him getting back on track in a new system and having a bit of a fresh start. So it's disappointing all around. Yeah, um, I think I agree with you for the most part. I think this has got like the classic like angry post trade Bruins fan written all over it, where it's like, <laughs> oh, they only got a third round, like the, the Vladar thing, where like, yeah, imagine he does go out and put up twenty seven goals or a thirty goal season, like in two years, and they're like, why did we trade him when it's the same people who have been calling for him to probably be traded for like five years at this point? Um, it's it is like Connor mentioned a peculiar spot because you are trading him for his ceiling and obviously that ceiling is not what it once was but it's certainly above what we've seen the last couple of years um so any way you spin it is probably going to be kind of an underwhelming return uh unless Sweeney can really work some magic which would be surprising in this circumstance um but it is I mean I don't know I mean obviously he's had his up and downs here in Boston but as a as a pure fan from like a person perspective it's sad to see because i feel like he's somebody that has been really easy to root for uh even with his struggles and stuff just seems like a good kid and somebody who's really wanted it and just hasn't quite been able to get it you know we've seen it in streaks we've seen how well he can play in certain scenarios but obviously piecing it together has been really difficult for him um and like connor said i think he's just kind of run his course here at this point there's been so many this could be the year for the this could be the year for the and it just hasn't quite happened we haven't really seen that breakout uh, beyond a couple of stretches so uh, i definitely understand why uh, this is happening and, and why it probably will happen here in the next couple of days couple of weeks or whatever but um yeah a little bit of a tough one to swallow for sure at the same time yeah no i want to take him at his word too that this isn't necessarily like fuck boston get me the fuck out of right. here like i think he, yeah he's tried his best to fit in along the way and he was pretty honest in the offseason saying like this has been tough like every year it's been really tough like he expects more from himself he knows the fans expect more from him and it just hasn't worked out to the point where you know maybe just for his mental health he needs to go somewhere else and, and give it another go um you know at a certain point you kind of say like this isn't really a good fit he's kind of like who's the third line center in Boston right now? Like who's centering his line? Well, we have no idea. It's it's one of three, four guys. And 
that's not a situation where a guy who's, you know, kind of trying to recoup his own value and um, really play to his potential. And he's, he's not an old player. He's like 25. Um, so he, he still has plenty of time to turn it around and become a, a valuable player. But, you know, he is at a point in his career where he shouldn't be getting jerked around like that. And I, I, I wouldn't assume that he thinks he got no opportunities in Boston because he did ride on the left wing with David Krejci for a while. And th- like, that's an excellent opportunity and it just didn't work out. And sometimes things aren't a good fit and but just being realistic and saying, this isn't working, get me, you know, give me an opportunity somewhere else. Isn't necessarily something to, you know, bash a guy for. Yeah, I, I wrote an article in March called Could Jake DeBrusque Benefit from a Trade? And aha, <laughs> I called it because I definitely think he could. And this is it's kind of what I stated in the article. But I, th- I think it's true. It, I didn't predict anything. I was, it was really a question and then me just ranting. Um, uh, a controlled rant. It wasn't very long. But anyway, I definitely think mentally a change of scenery can be really good for a player. I think we've seen a lot of players who weren't in Boston as well, but across the league who aren't able to meet their full potential with the team that drafted them change of scenery. They become maybe a late bloomer as a player or just whether it's the, like the scheme they're in the uh, locker room they're in their city, they're in the living, (laughs) the lifestyle. Um, I saw that with uh, two notable players, Tyler Sagan and Blake Wheeler. I don't think they would have, reach that full potential in Boston for the different reasons why they had left and different reasons why they didn't reach that, that peak potential at Boston, but a change of scenery worked for them. Those are just two examples. I don't think DeBrusque is going to be like the star player, like a Sagan or Wheeler. Um, but I, I think it could be a similar situation where a change of scenery can really help. Um, but yeah, it is concerning that it is just, it, they, they held on too long. The Bruins, uh, you can't predict how a player is going to pan out. You see those first two seasons, uh, his rookie year where he had 43 points and then his uh, sophomore season where he had 27 goals. Like you see those and you're like, okay, this is the second line winger that we've been needing for almost a decade. And then, you know, a few years later, here we are. Um, Taylor Hall. Um, No David Krejci. But yeah, before I just go on to repeat everything y'all said, it (laughs) They just held on too long, uh, which sucks. You can't, you can't really, uh, you know, shit on Sweeney for that because you can't really know after those couple seasons. But uh, as it's dragged along, I think if they moved on from him a season or two ago, then uh, I, I would have liked to have seen that. But yeah, and another thing to say about that is, you know, if all the fans are attaching Jake DeBrusque to every single trade rumor that goes out there like you got to believe that all of the gms in the nhl know that this is a guy that the bruins are kind of hoping maybe people value higher than the bruins value him. <laughs> yes um, yeah because you know i was you know watching the vancouver game and and watching connor garland kind of light things up thinking man he was he was on the bruins radar this offseason like that would have been sick if somehow they could have worked that out, but obviously, you know, uh, Vancouver taking on that Oliver Ekman Larson contract to kind of kick the Bruins out of contention for not gonna, for that. yeah, not gonna, but, not gonna win that sweepstakes when um, that contract's dangled. Yeah, but it, it, I, I was still kind of thinking, like, oh, maybe, maybe if they had made an early pitch that 
they've been really good. Uh, they could have pulled that off, but you know, if uh, Jim Benning, who uh, you know, <laughs> not the greatest GM in the, in the history of the NHL, uh, had had taken the bait a little early on in the in the off season, that could have been something good. Because big fan of that kid. Yeah, what could have been? Um, oh yeah, it does feel like the the other shoe just kind of dropped a little bit. You know, I feel like it's it, nobody. I don't think anybody was terribly surprised by this. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like maybe the timing a little bit, but um, the writing has kind of been on the wall. I think especially with the scratch, the scratch. I mean, I, I will say like my first thought with the scratch was like he did something for to piss Cassidy off or something, you know, or maybe there's, you know, something nagging him or, you know, like a minor injury, give him a night off kind of thing. I, I definitely seems, wasn't thinking. It seems a little late in the career to be sending another fucking message to the kid. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't think trade right away. Um, mm-hmm. But then when I saw it, I was like, oh, I kind of feel stupid for nothing and trade mm-hmm. right away also. So I think it, that. I'm all just surprised I got to the point where his camp is, at like publicly stating that they want out. I was thinking there's just so many small opportunities or signs over the past couple of seasons that it's like, oh, he could be on the move that eventually it was just going to be, yeah, he's not a career-long brew and he's going to be traded eventually. I was just surprised it got to the point where he wanted out. Yeah, I mean, I also think it's one of those situations where not only the fact that he gets scratched, but you look at kind of the opportunity presented to him. And of course, some of the onus is on the player to produce, but you look at, you know, how DeBrusque was going into this year, hoping for a clean slate. And, you know, I think Chris, you kind of noted before that uh, DeBrusque has always been very candid and very accountable for his own game. It's, it's funny. You see now that the trade room, like the trade request is out. People are like, ah, oh, this, this kid, like always making excuses or he's just moody. It's like, no, like DeBrusque has always been very, very, uh, you know, upfront about, you know, when he's been struggling, he, you know, I think is very hard on himself. Uh, and how he wants to improve. And he's never, even when he was, you know, almost scoring 30 goals as a 22-year-old, he was still hot in his game then and how he wanted to improve. But I think for him, it's like you look at the breaking point. It's not just the fact that he was scratched, but, you know, what kind of opportunity was he kind of presented in that spot on the third line? Like, you mapped it out going into this the season. You're like, all right, like, uh, clean slate, like, hopefully in a, a, a more, you know, a less restricted season where he's not kind of stuck inside all this time, which weighed heavily on him, like most players in the league last year. Uh, you know, whether he's with a guy like Arakawa who looked good in the pre- on the preseason, uh, you know, a third line role is able to get easier matchups made a lot of sense. And even if he's, you know, not the 30 goal guy that he was a few years ago, gives you 15, 20 goals in that third line spot, you'd be more than happy with it. But then whether it's Hollis play tailing off or, or what have you. It's like, what opportunity do you really have to really thrive or or prove his game? Like I know Cassidy wasn't happy at his uh, defensive coverage. I think on the Panarin goal on Friday's game, but like, I don't know. I still think DeBrusque looked at him. He seemed a lot more engaged in most of like his shifts. I think he was even getting some PK work and was looking pretty solid on that. Like he was moving his feet. Like, I think he was engaged. It's just like what opportunity presented itself. Like you didn't even see like as much as, People talk about like a uh, guy like Sidnika, where it's like, all right, are you going to actually give him a, a spot? Like, 
you're not going to try him out like on, let's say like for Sunday's game, you're not going to see if maybe what Stanika would do at the three C and put DeBrus there and just see if you have anything there, like with a more offensively gifted guy, like who knows, maybe Stanika is just not an NHL player, but you still haven't really seen how he'd work, especially with a guy like DeBrusque over an extended sample size. So for DeBrusque, it's like, all right, what else do I need to do? Like, all right, I'm being benched now. Like, I understand, like, maybe the details aren't there all the time. And it's, his scoring has dropped off, but, like, he's still a useful player. And I think he, you know, focused on working on kind of the 200-foot part of his game. Like, if if you asked me, like, two years ago when DeBrusque was scoring those goals, if he could be, like, a dependable guy in a PK rotation, I'd be like, I don't know if that's really cut out for him, but he adopted that role and seemed like he was, you know, getting pretty effective at it. So it's not like he's just been cruising or just, you know, straying away from his game and not working on it. But when you get scratched and you're looking at kind of what the, you know, the bigger pictures of how you fit in this lineup and what the personnel is around you, like, are you really that surprised that eventually he just thinks, you know, probably the best move is just a clean, you know, a, a fresh start somewhere else. Cause you have to imagine he goes somewhere else, whether it's in a top six spot or on a third line with maybe more offensively gifted guys, there's going to be better opportunities out here for him somewhere. I would love yeah. to see him go to Edmonton. Uh, yeah. That, that I would not be surprised for, for multiple reasons. Yes. <laughs> that also is the highest of then, you know, the eventual 30 goal season like that. Yeah. I feel very that's confident a, about that's that. That's a 35 goal season. And they flip yeah. him for like a second rounder, or a first round pick or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think the Bruins have constantly been chasing. All right. Who's he going to be good with after Krejci? Cause anyone can do great next to Krejci. I could score a goal next to Krejci. Um, I, I, but I think, yeah, it, it's just been too long of who who's gonna fit with them. Um, I just need to see Drew uh, lace up the skates and go to the extra league and see what he can do. Yeah, <laughs> on the extra league, I'll, I'll score two. Um, I'll, I'll score two goals there, one in the NHL, um, both with the street hockey stick and tennis ball because that's how I roll. Um, any any more on on Jakey D done dirt cheap? Uh, yeah, I mean for what it's worth. Uh, so far this season, he's been above average expected goals and above average expected goals against. So, um, just getting a little unlucky with some of that puck luck, and you know, I, I think putting him on another team, he will be it disappointing to Bruins fans. Yes. Yep. Alrighty, uh, Cam. Uh, do you remember who we're sponsored by? I do remember who we're sponsored by. It's chill. Wait, hold on. Nope, that's not yet. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> the Bruce and Bruins podcast is sponsored by DraftKings. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll once again be a winner every time a point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team can score or to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available yet in your state, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $1 on any team to score, and you can win $100 in free bets. If they Feel score, the you score with promo code THPN. <laughs> like never before. At DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 
Must be one or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. Only new customers, only minimum $5 deposit, $1 wage required, one per customer. Restriction spicy. DraftKings.com slash sports with details. Call the call. Probably one at home. Gambler. Oh, that was a little sloppier. It was, it was, that <laughs> sounded like you had, you had a couple of beers before you came back. <laughs> <laughs> My one could, last week was so good that Court started good. complimenting me on it afterwards. And he said I looked wow. good at the commercials. So Cat, hard to get said, Cat said you were good, too. Oh, hard, there we go. It's hard you know, to it's get a, a compliment day. out of that guy, Court Lowell, man. I'm his nephew, man. It's hard. Court yeah. was very complimentary of me on that podcast. Yeah, he was probably nice. specifically because Drew wasn't there, though. So <laughs> yeah, apparently there was some talk about me, is what I saw tweeted, and then on the airplane, I I heard like a little bit. I heard, uh, but I didn't hear a lot. We we That's broadcasting cool. on the airplane? Is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, through That's the right. uh, through the uh, speaker. Uh, why can't I think of the word? Anyway. Connor, you have anything you want to plug in Sky Mall? <laughs> nah, I'm good. It's tempting, but no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> that yeah, that's where we advertise. Um <laughs> really cornering the market. <laughs> uh yeah, we're trying to yeah. Um <laughs> be a Winnipeg's jet jets podcast there. <laughs> uh all right, next next up. Marshy, Slewfoot. Slewfoot or not Slewfoot? That's a Slewfoot, that's buddy. The first question. <laughs> Woo! Well, whether or not you think it's a slew foot, it's totally illegal. He literally like if you don't think it's a slew foot, then he just like tossed a guy and like that that's not allowed. So um <laughs> but three games. Yeah, I, I was talking to Drew a little bit about this beforehand. Um seen some wild takes on Twitter with this one. I like anything. I've seen the people who are like, oh, fucking classic Moshan. They fucking kill him, you know. Probably not with the Boston accent because it was mostly people from out of town. Uh, and then I've seen people <laughs> in Boston who are really like... going after Connor. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. <laughs> How'd you get audio of my uncle reacting to that? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I've seen the I've seen the flip side of it. People who are like, "Oh, it wasn't a slew foot, totally clean, ridiculous." It's only because it's Marshall, blah blah. blah. Um, I, I will. I think it's pretty clearly like one hundred percent a slew foot. You cannot do that as somebody who's played hockey. That's a super dangerous play. I've had that done to me before. Nothing pisses you off quite like. I mean, you're. It's just like a. It's a recipe for a concussion. Smoke in the back of your head on the ice. Uh, he did keep the guy's leg out. He pushed him to kind of tabletop him. You can't do it. Yeah, um, 100% a tripping penalty. No questions asked. A slew foot. Um, that being said, I do understand a little bit of the frustration of like you look around the league, and I know a lot of people have thrown PK Subban's name around a lot uh, as somebody who's been doing this kind of routinely so far this season. And I get that frustration where the, the Brad Marchand name probably hurts him there, despite the fact that as we were discussing last week, and I feel like we may have jinxed it, Chris, but he's not technically a repeat offender at this point uh, because of of how long it's been since his last real. Uh, suspendable incidents. So um, 100% of Slewfoot in my book, I think you can have some qualms with the punishment based on what the the standard has been set by the league, um, which if, you know, if you're new to the NHL, this is it. <laughs> There's no such thing as a standard here. Um, I think it's, it's, it's fair to be upset about that and say, Hey, why is he getting three games when other guys are getting fines or that sort of thing? Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, a Slewfoot's a Slewfoot. So I don't think you can be too angry about it. So one of the things I saw was uh, Tim Peel on on Twitter talking about, uh, I think it was Lancey that sent us that uh, tweet from Tim Peel, just a former uh, NHL ref who famously got 
uh, <laughs> an unceremonious end to his yeah, career. Why is he, yeah, why is he tweeting now? Yeah, he, he was saying that uh, the comparisons to to P.K. Subban aren't fair because he's uh, refereed Subban for a long time and knows him personally and knows that there's no bad intent behind it. And, oh, boy, we're getting into some real muddy waters if you're trying to judge intent based on uh, how well you like it, the guy. Yeah, how well you know the guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I think a lot of people on Twitter are judging intent based on thinking they know Brad Marchand. Uh, and, I mean, I, I, watching the play, it looks like he was trying to go for a clean play and Ekman Larson kind of turned one way and he could have just laid off and not finished the hit, but kind of went through with it. And I would say, based on his actions over the last three years, that there probably was no ill intent, but... Also, it's the same guy who earlier this week said some uh, not great bullshit to Artemi Panarin. And also, this could be kind of like a a way to kind of sneak in a couple extra games of suspension without having to really kind of talk about uh, what he said. And the, the NHL does like to do that. It's not really a Department of Player Safety uh, thing, but Gary Bettman, I wouldn't put it past him to kind of say hey nudge nudge like maybe we can uh you know toss this under the rug uh give him an extra couple of games and uh say that's good um so yeah i'm not going to question it too much i think when you get into the game like you said cam if you're getting into the game of like comparing suspensions and fines and stuff like we've already had like some really like way worse like more heinous comparisons um of, of like oh this guy got a fine of like five thousand dollars for being like a horrible racist but uh yeah it's a, just kind of like yeah let's let's move on from this and we'll, we'll get our best player back in a few games against the same team <laughs> yeah works out like that yeah i i think it's the same thing yeah where i think if you spend all of your energy looking at comparing you know different rulings or what have you it's just it's not good for your own like sanity in terms of just trying to find the rationale or the course of how the uh, Department of Player Safety looks at those things. But I think you just got to look at it at the just baseline level of Marchand and the history he has. And even though he's not technically listed as a uh, repeat offender, I mean, he's got what entered today with six suspensions, five fines. Like, I think that absolutely plays a part in it. I mean, it's pretty much what it's always good when they do like the the video explaining the suspension and they just talk about the play. Then at the end, when they do like the, you know, like this is targeting, like this is a sleuth. <laughs> they always add like eight different things they didn't mention before. It's like, yeah. Brad an ass. Like they always add the things out to it. But, like, they didn't even mention it all. Like for Brad, Mar- Brad plus one game. Yeah. yeah like, they, like all they talked Have about. You seen this guy's nose. He's yeah. Built like, like a villain. Yeah. They started roasting them at the end <laughs> of it. Smell them but, but like the video itself is like a minute 40 long. And at first, like, you know, minute 20 is talking about just the play and the intent and what have you of what they they ruled in at the end it was like he's a repeat offender i was like all right well that makes sense like that that yeah. you know that's all you have to really focus Maybe on there in terms next of, time yeah, yeah you probably lead with that but uh <laughs> at the end of the day whether you're comparing it to like suban or, or what have you or other situations comes down to it like i thought he was going to get maybe a game or so for just the play in question but three games was like oh uh, okay yeah that 
All right. Like you, all it takes is to look back at me. Like, yeah. Okay. Like, as you said, like, you look at just kind of the, the rap sheet that he's had, even though it's, you know, a few years ago that he really piled those on at a pretty steady clip. Uh, he's kind of moved on from it, but even if it was, you know, wasn't an intent to do that to Ekman Larson, like you still got that weight around you from, you know, what you've done before. It's not like you can just absolve from it, even though I think he, has focused on kind of improving his game. He still plays with that edge. He still has got that reputation and mm-hmm. it's something that considering what he's done in the past, you kind of have to live with it. And, and again, it's not worth your own sanity to start, you know, doing the deep dive into what the, you know, into Tom Wilson. And- yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You just go down a slippery slope and it solves absolutely nothing except, you know, making your hair fall out and driving you crazy. Like trying to figure out like the intent behind it. It's just, Martian's got a rap sheet, you know, and, you know, he's going to have a shorter leash than most other players when it comes to situations like that. He's not going to get the benefit of the doubt. So it's three games. Unfortunate, the Bruins could really use him, especially for that Saturday game against Tampa. Yeah. Um, but it is what it is at this point. He's got to move on. And hopefully uh, Jake DeBrusque maybe will get some top six reps in what might be his last couple of games, if he even plays a game. Who, who even knows? True. Now it's a ridiculously awkward situation for everyone involved. Yeah. By the time Marshawn is back, DeBrusque will be facing against him as in a in a Canucks sweater. Yeah, you heard it here first. Um, Vancouver Canucks sending good. over uh, whoever the hell they have on their fourth line. Yeah, <laughs> something, I do. Something. I do like Mott. He's a good little player, but yeah. I still, I don't think that's who you'd imagine would be the guy going in return for DeBrusque. But yeah. Something I will say on intent, it's just so hard to judge that, but whether it was intentional or you get caught up in the heat of the moment and a pull, pull move like that, like a slew foot, or you can think of things similar like hits from behind and, and just, just dirty plays like that. Um, it's not excusable. And I think three games is justifiable, but my question is, you know, you, you kind of touched on it, Connor, how he piled up all those suspensions and fines. It seems like a while ago. And there was a couple of years ago where he was even really, it was talked about in the media too, how he was going to change his style of play, how he was going to play a little bit cleaner, play a little bit smarter. And that's where we really saw the, uh, the marsh on the, the all-star marsh on really emerge uh, where he's consistently putting up these numbers. Um, it, what do you think this kind of says about that? Like, is it him falling into his old ways at all? Or maybe it was just like a, a small hiccup. I'm wondering what you guys think. I mean, I, I view it more of like, I don't think he, the intent was like, I'm going to, you know, put a, uh, him in a situation like when Larson was going to get injured. I think it was more of just a bang, bang play. And it was an unfortunate, like, I don't think he was going into it the intent of slew footing the guy. Whereas no. you look at some of his prior, uh, a suspended incidents where it's like going to the situation and you had that split second, I think recognition of like what you're going to do. And you're like, all right, you, or you know, it's tough. To, it's very tough to like for some of those, some of those like, submarines are very yeah clearly, uh... yeah. Some of those are like oh yeah, that, well that's that's about right. Whereas I think now I think as you said, Drew, um, especially I think after that those 2018 playoffs against Tampa, where I mean he had like the looking incidents and stuff. Uh, I think he did kind of take it to hot whether he's talking to uh, you know Chara, Cassidy, Bergeron, all kind of had to sit down with him. And I think for Martian, it it means a lot to him in terms of like not just being labeled as that. And as much as he's a guy that I still think thrives off of being, you know, the fly in the ointment, the guy who will drive the opposition crazy. I think he wants to look at his career kind of down the road, I imagine, and view it more of not just being this, you know, pest to this guy that drove, you know, other teams crazy in that regard or kind of the controversial things he's done. He wants to be regarded as Mm -hmm. a great team player, a guy that was, 
you know, very well, our heart trophy finalist, a guy who's arguably the best left wing in the game for the last couple of years. And I think that does mean a lot to him as he grows older and kind of looks back on his career. And uh, as much as, you know, he's a great guy to talk to a, a guy that, you know, is very chummy and likes to, you know, keep it loose. I think when he looks at kind of the big picture, it's something that he's very sincere and focused on is kind of carving out that legacy and being remembered as more than just the dude who, you know, used the Sedin brothers face as a speed bag or, or all those things. Like, of course it's part of his career. It's always going to be what I'm sure Hammond guys at Sullivan tab mentioned first with Marshan, not like, you know, the hundred point season, but it's him just being a pain in the ass. But I think for him as a player, when he looks at the overall body of his work and how he's elevated his game, I think for any player like that, who has gone from, you know, a fourth line, uh, cast off to again, like the best left wing in the game. I think you want to be remembered for more than just being the the guy who makes all the highlight reels for licking a dude in the face, <laughs> something like that. I think that does mean a lot to him for any player that I think that has put in that work to get to that spot. So yeah, I, it's a tough situation, you know, for him and that, you know, again, it's of his own doing, right? Like of the kind of rap sheet that he's had, but I think it does mean a lot to him in terms of how he wants to be remembered and carving out this kind of, cleaner what have you legacy as opposed to kind of just keep on going back to that like i don't think he relishes uh you know having this be the discourse now with with his career i think he's he'd much rather be making the highlight reels for great plays and uh you know he he'd rather be like the discourse of like you've gone from being a pain in the ass to being you know an all-star caliber player as opposed to now it's same thing like oh it's typical marshan whereas i think for you know people who've watched him the last couple years you know that really hasn't He's not yeah. been the same player he's been in years past. So yeah, that's uh, kinda... it's, I think it's always fighting that narrative, I think is the issue. And he's, it's going to be tough to kind of get past until he eventually retires. It's just, you've done enough in the past that it's going to stick with you inevitably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of exactly what I was going to say. I think uh, for people like us who have been watching him on a gamely basis for the last however many years, like I, I think of Brad Marchand as like Connor said, a potential heart trophy candidate, one of the best 200 foot players in the game right now after, after playing with Bergeron for this long, somebody who like Chris said is, is the most valuable player on this Bruins team at this point. Um, But I also understand that people outside of of the Bruins circle still see him as, Oh, he's an aggravator. And you know, not that that they totally write off his skill. He's an aggravator who can also score, who can also do this, but it's more aggravating that stigma attached to him. Um, and I get it. I mean, I, like, look, it is, it is Brad Marsh on the Connor said he's, he's earned that reputation. The time has kind of come in a way to pay the Piper, but at the end of the day, also, he's, he's got such a, a, a dynamic game that he doesn't want to be remembered for that, especially at this point in his career. Um, I do think going back to Drew's question, like, like Connor said, I think it was just kind of a little blip in the radar here. Um, this is a guy who at the end of the day, you know, as, as skilled a player he is, he still does have to play with that edge. He needs to be Brad Marchand to be Brad Marchand. Sounds obvious, but he's not somebody that can play a Patrice Bergeron, not very aggressive style kind of game, like where it's like if he makes a hit, you're like, oh, shit, Bergeron just hit somebody and and still be effective. That's never going to be Marchand. He's always going to be getting in people's faces, hopefully not licking them, which I I can never get. Taking hits on on Ryan Reeves and shit like that. Yeah, (laughs) he has to do that. He has to go at Ryan Reeves to fire himself up, and I'm fine with him doing that as long as it doesn't, you know, you don't want it to turn into this kind of shit. But he has to play on that edge in order to be effective. So you're always going to kind of toe that line. I think you look at the last four or five years of his work, and this is the only blip where, you know, it's not great, but at the end of the day, 
there are far worse things that happen across the league several times a year. And and if this is what it takes once in a while, I'm not, I don't know, maybe I'm an asshole here, but like, that's fine with me. If he gets one slew footing thing, every couple fucking years at this point, um, you know, you take the good with the bad there again, if you want him to be as effective as he is, this is what's going to come with it for a guy like him. Um, obviously you don't condone it, but you have to kind of take that three game suspension as a, as a price of, of playing with a guy like him. I think at this point, yeah, I'm glad you guys brought up kind of like personal accomplishments and stuff and kind of how he views himself. Because one, I, I do feel like he's not a, a super selfish player or anything like that. He's he is a distributor. Like all you have to do is look at that that uh, disallowed empty net goal uh, that he kind of gave to Patrice. Um, like very much a team guy, definitely deserves that A on his chest. But also I do think it does mean a lot to him to to get to maybe that 40 goal season. Um, and he's come close a few times. And when you look at it in those seasons, like, oh, he was suspended for seven games, suspended for five games. Like he, he came with a one goal of a 40 goal season one year and he was suspended for, I think, five games that season. Uh, you got to think that he might have scored a goal in one of those five games. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he, he'll probably look back on things like that with a little bit of regret. And I mean, he's got nine goals in 18 games so far, right on pace for 40 goals. And you miss three games like that. That sucks. Um, yeah. Hope he comes back out of it. And I mean, he was, dude's absolutely insane. He's playing so well. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I think there's a really good chance he gets to 40 goals. But um, yeah, it sucks to see that he's he's missing these games during a crucial part in the season where you're kind of trying to make up those uh, four or five games in the, uh, not in the standings, but in the, <laughs> in the games played sheet. Um, yeah. I think just to, to show you how well he's played lately, I missed the Vancouver game, actually, so I had to watch the highlights after. Uh, so we're, sick. Uh, we're playing a big beer league playoff game. Um, but the one text that I got about the game from my dad's buddy was just, everybody just climb on Marshan's back, um, which that's that's the type of player he is right now where he can carry a team like that. And and like Chris said, for his first personal, you know, if he misses out, if he scores 39 goals this year, he's going to be pissed. But at the same time, if the Bruins miss the playoffs by two fucking points this year, or, or you know, if they end up with a tough draw, you know, whatever it is, that's going to be something where you look back and you're you're missing that game changer from your lineup. So it's not the perfection line. It's not it's not the erection line without Brad Marchand. So good save. Yeah. <clears throat> no, it's the uh, it's the what is he the E in the erection line? So it just be the erection, the, the head of the erection. <laughs> <laughs> It's the erection Marshawn puts the E in erection. That'll be the Nesson promo when he comes yeah. back in the lineup for the Vancouver game on the road. Yeah, let's call up Logan and, and Logan. Yeah, Nesson. I love the ice level erection line. Um, <laughs> it's no, a ten o'clock game. It's fine. I think uh, I, I will just say uh, on the reputation front that. Uh, as was already kind of touched upon. I mean, that never escapes you. And I, I'm just like Marshawn's thing has always been those like little dirty plays, like those slew foots and stuff. It's never been the, okay, I'm going to, you know, hit you from behind. I'm going to take a headshot. I, I mean, I believe he actually did have a headshot uh, as of one on his uh, criminal record, uh, but it, it it's not like the Tom Wilson, like 20 headshots in his career. You know, it's not that much, but I, I and it's not excusable or anything, but you know, when it comes to Twitter and you see all this Tom Wilson shit, Mar- Marshawn's name gets brought up. 
And it's like, I've been able to say like, no, but he's changed, man. Like Marshawn, that, that's the old guy, you know, that's, that's old, young, stupid Marshawn. Not anymore. He's been clean. And now I can't use that anymore. Uh, and I'm sad, but anyway, on a happier note, uh, is there anything happier? Uh, any, any, uh, any hot takes anyone wants to toss out there? The Bruins going to win the cup. Um, who will win answer. the cup in 2028? Let's, let's yeah, go. 2028. I, I think by then the Coyotes will be ready. It's I mean, they very well Buffalo. could. <laughs> now Buffalo's, Buffalo's. Honestly, the, will be the team that is now. on pace right now is Ottawa. Yes. They're, the, LA. they're the perfect team that was like, this is going to be the season that Ottawa kind of turns it on and they haven't. Yeah. So they're still going to get another good draft pick. <laughs> yeah. The problem with Ottawa too, is that I always feel like they've always have a relatively good record of like drafting talent and end up like getting like good players. Like, even though it's not worked out for them, they've still got pieces in place for, all right, as you said, they get another draft pick work towards it, but then they get to a point where it's like, all right, this team looking good. And then and then their owners are like, all right, well, like, Mark Stoner, Carlson. Yeah, and yeah exactly. <laughs> like you get maybe one year where it all comes together and they can make <laughs> somewhat of a run, but then it all just goes to shit right away, which is too bad. Cause again, like whether it's Stone or Carlson or all those guys, it's like, I mean, people look at that 2017 uh, playoff series against the Bruins and like, I mean, Eric Carlson just went sicko mode in that, that series. Like that was just ridiculous we, how we, we played. Had an but, episode like, where I, where I read off the, uh, the roster of that team and it's just like filled with guys who like turned into good players. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> and again, that's even before like stone really elevated his game, but then you trade him for, I mean, what was it like? Uh, it was a, uh, Benstrom Brandstrom is like, was the, the key guy back there. Who's like in the lineup now it, it's, it's always funny when you look at like the Bruins being tied to like that, those Mark stone rumors, which like, goddamn like they would have won two cups if they got mark stone but like all you heard was like oh it's gonna be this crazy ask like you really want to give up Earl vakaninen and like one of these guys to nika for mark stone <laughs> and it's like yeah yeah yeah, yeah guys yeah he's really good yeah, like again doesn't and even if vakaninen and sanika end up being legit players which uh it's one of those things where it's like all right yeah, you probably win a cup. Oh, actually, you probably don't. You you do win a cup in 2019 if you had Mark Stone that year. But so who we who we thinking? I need an official team. 2028 Stanley Cup champions. Still going LA. Team. Yeah, still going LA. I'm gonna ride. I'm gonna ride with my Red Wings. Ooh, Famously, Chris's Red Wings. That's a <laughs> that's a good pick. Actually, I would I wouldn't put it past them. Um, I would say a Kraken, but if Ron Francis still there. That team's gonna be shitty. Um. <laughs> That team sucks. <laughs> they could um, go Vegas and just like switch it all up after a few years. They probably could because Vegas like will just deal all those guys with absolutely no regard for their emotions or anything in the next year or so. And if it eventually all goes to hell, um, Quebec. <laughs> <laughs> that. That's a good call. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm I'm jumping on the bandwagon with uh, Detroit. I have faith that they'll get something. There you go. Good market. They Washington actually got like, yeah. The eyes are playing. I'm gonna say uh, San Jose Sharks, um, and uh, Joe Thornton gets his cup because he's finally as the assistant like behind the bench, like he already <laughs> mostly trainer. He's like, got so, he's so getting so like five like a, minutes a night. Not, not a trainer, yeah, you're not like to actually play. 
Yeah, yeah. He'll Player be coach. like a fitness, a fitness dude. He'll be like, look, this is how you grow your beard for the playoffs. <laughs> Emergency this backup. Is... <laughs> this this is the the player, player development manager. <laughs> <laughs> he develops the player development managers. Yeah. Um... <laughs> anyway, uh, Connor, shout out your stuff. Where can people find uh, your stuff and escape from ours? Uh, you can find my stuff over at bostonsportsjournal.com where we have a couple stories up today after this very slow news day regarding Brad Marchand and Jake DeBrusque. And I'm sure we'll have plenty more in the coming days as we talk about who the Bruins could potentially acquire for a guy like DeBrusque, where they go from there, who, who slots in for Brad Marchand. All that stuff over at bostonsportsjournal.com. Uh, we've had a couple of features already drop, including one with Jake DeBrusque getting Oreos thrown at him, which... Thank Christ I wrote that story uh, earlier this month and not now. Uh, But we have uh, kind of features like that all dropping over the next couple of weeks as well. So uh, subscribe to bostonsportschannel.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93, where I usually just tweet nonsense, as is everyone else on Twitter. So you can find me at either spot. Or the local Duncan. That's that's our probably the local Duncan. Yes, when in doubt. I don't know if if you if you tweet nonsense, Connor, then I have no idea what I fucking. (laughs) It's so wrong. It's right, true. It's right. I tried to start a GoFundMe for me to afford the airline uh, internet to watch the Bruins game. uh, I mean, it's warranted, man. That stuff is like it's it's one of those ones where you get it. It's like five minutes of free Wi-Fi, and then it's like, would you like forty nine ninety nine for an extra thirty? It's like no, I can't, I can't buffer anything. So like, I couldn't, I couldn't play period. That'll get me through the third. Yeah. Hopefully, it doesn't go to OT. I can't run a Didn't Sega. You... I can't run like a Sega Genesis game on this bandwidth. Yeah. But I'm paying forty nine ninety nine. Firstborn child. Yeah. Yes. Start a petition to get. Uh, uh, oh yeah, Pasternak into like in the Mandalorian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how that's going. Honestly, I think I got like ten signatures, man. Imagine so like they they did the whole thing where he won't take off his mask. He finally does, and it's just fucking David Poster. <laughs> it'd be the wild. It'd be also just hysterical because it would be so many Star Wars fans who would be like, "Who the fuck is that guy?" But there's like a point zero point one percent of Twitter who would be like, "Holy oh, shit!" Died, died instantly. <laughs> Heart attack for all of them. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. Always yeah, we'll... happy to talk Bruins. We'll oh, we'll yeah. go shorter uh, length of time between uh, inviting you on next time, uh, and we'll you try to invite no. you on more than a day in advance. It'll probably be like really really advance, bad. So. Wait, when the debrus strike actually happens, just hit me up. We'll do we'll do a quick reaction <laughs> yeah. post. Right. It's, good, it's good to be timely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Thanks, man. Yeah. All right. All right. See you guys.